Hello and welcome back to another episode of the From, From Dawn, Dawn to Dawn, Dawn podcast. We will be your hosts for the current school year and we are excited to dive right into things. This podcast serves as a platform for fellow Dons to get to know one another. From educators to students to school administrators and facility staff, we dive deeper into learning about the faces that make up the Dons community. Hi Dons, we have a special Halloween feature today. Today we will be meeting with the two winners of the Spooky Story Contest by National English Honor Society. And we'll have them read their stories. It's very exciting. Yeah, so right now I'm here with... Hi, I'm Isabel Lusky. <laughs> Yay, it's so great to have you on here. So um, why don't we start by you just telling us a little bit about your writing style and why you chose to enter the contest. Well, I've done the spooky story since last year, and I actually don't really write horror stories usually, um, but it's, it's a good way to kind of practice suspense and tension and building that in a story. So it's always fun to do every October whenever it comes around for me. Yeah, I love that. I'm so excited to hear your story. White Cadaver. It was as if there was a hole piercing his stomach, reminding him of how empty he felt. Such hunger was a natural consequence of winters, as all foliage was frozen over, becoming an icy appetizer that stuck on the tongue. It was a self-fulfilling prophecy of starvation. The less you eat, the less energy you have to look for food. There came a point when the gnawing deprivation ate away at bone, weakening you to fatigue, to sleep, to death. A slow, painful death to which even a snapped neck would be preferable. This wasn't the hare's first winter but he had the horrible suspicion it was his last. The hare kept moving through the forest, overcoming the shakiness on his legs to keep his will alive. He'd been careful, weaving around dead shrubs, avoiding open spaces, fearing hawks, he thought of burrowing into the snow, covering his eyes and remaining still to blend into the bleak landscape, and keeping clear of predators. A single encounter could kill him. A single discovery of plant life could save him. His mind teetered between the two with every breath, muffled under sub-zero temperatures. He would make it. He wouldn't make it. How would he die? His thoughts were interrupted by a twitch of the nose, catching a smell that pervaded into the air like a fog. Desperate, he followed it and came upon its source. A fellow hare, female. Her white winter coat was splattered red with blood, her body torn apart at the abdomen. Whoever had killed her had eaten the flesh of her black leg, back legs, uncovering bone, and then left her tattered body to the elements. Except... The elements preserved her, sustaining her expression of black eyes wide in fear as she screamed. The cold had even delayed the decay of her organs. There was nothing putrid about her smell. It was fresh meat, cooled and edible. Whoever comes across this next will be lucky, he thought, feeling the need to honor her death. As natural as it was, it was a sight that served as a grim reminder. Digging, he pushed snow over her wound, which turned pink upon contact. But with a few more layers, the snow became white again and all that peeked out was the fur of her head and ears, punctuated by dark eyes. Noting her position below the tall evergreen, he trekked on opposite to where he came, searching for food that might have attracted her presence. But there was nothing. The white landscape was death, a promise that everything the hailing wind touched, scraping at the skin of those caught in a storm, icicles stuck in your mouth, would die. His food sources had died, suppressed by the cold. And he, as a hare, would die as a food source for some other creature, unable to rot away. It was hard not to resent predators. 
They were so much larger and capable than he was. Bears could hibernate away the season, returning as if winter had never come. Wolves and foxes only had to rely on the demise of other creatures for survival. They had to last just a smidge longer than a hare, and once they did, they'd eat at their remains, meat lubricating the gullet. Predators had a brutality to them a hare couldn't dare to replicate. There came a grubble in the stomach, aching for something inside of it. Anything. Anything would do, wouldn't it? No, he couldn't. It was against the natural order of things. But wasn't it natural to fear death? To escape it? That was the natural order of things. Her smell hadn't disappeared. She lay as untouched as he left her, gaping stomach under snow. And he'd inadvertently marked his location, leaving Prince of Red leading out to where he had last wandered. Whoever had killed her could find him, following the trail smeared below. He needed the energy to run. That was the natural order of things. He bit into the snow, flavored with the salt of her blood. It left his mouth clammy and thirsty. He wasn't ever thirsty when every plant was covered in ice, but he continued until her insides were revealed. Staring at them made it seem like they were still working, like she was alive. Avoiding her eyes, which popped out of their sockets, he shredded off pieces of her intestines, filled with half-processed excrement. He had eaten his waist before. He chewed and swallowed, cannibalizing her further as hunger set in. She was tender, and strips of her meat slid down his throat. He was so feral it seemed natural, and became more confident as he consumed. It wasn't long before he licked at her ribs and shoved his head into her cavity, fur and blood in his mouth. He could clean himself later. He had to satiate the carnivorous part of him, awakened by her lifeless body as he shivered. The hair came out of his stupor when she rolled to the side. It was the wind, strong enough to shift her light body. There wasn't much left. He chewed at her like a leaf leaving the stem of her skeleton along with lesser quality fibers. Needing another bite, he noticed how an eye rolled out of its socket, held on by a fleshy string. He swallowed it like a cherry and finished his meal. The aftertaste settled on his tongue. This was a matter of survival. He'd needed food. Wasn't this a positive? Wouldn't she have preferred a fellow hare eat her? Wouldn't he have wanted the same in death? It was justification after justification in the frenzy of his mind. But as he hopped off, leaving her to the elements, elements that preserved her, left her as a fresh meal. He knew what he did was wrong. He knew he had defiled her, but something in him had also found a taste for meat. Okay, so I'm here with Ella Bloom. Ella, can you tell us a little bit about your writing style and why you wanted to submit to this contest? She is our second runner-up. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, of course. Um, I saw this. I'm part of National English Honor Society, and I saw that they were accepting submissions for a scary story contest, and I thought, that's right up my alley. Um, I love creative writing. I love exploring myself and different themes of the world through writing. Um, and in the future, in, in college, I'd love to do more writing and eventually publish a novel someday. Yeah. That sounds great. Thank you. So the title of my scary story is called The Reflection. I must run. My feet strike the ground in a rhythmic fashion, turning over the dirt and leaving dust in my wake. With each heel struck into the earth, my heart pulsates in my chest, begging for an escape from the tightness of my bosom. The rhythm of my rapid footsteps and the throbbing of my heart mimic a rattling drumbeat, sharp and metallic in my ears. Like hooves of stampeding beasts that roar far into the night, sweeping over the ravaged plain of my existence. Darkness surrounds me. Without a match to ignite or a lantern to clutch, I am left blind. The air seems to suffocate. As a child, I feared the dark. 
the monsters that crouched below my bed springs, and the thunderstorms that made my window panes shake with an aggressive clatter. My fear is manifested within this realm, racing for an elusive exit that seems as distant as the sun. The moon is hung in the winter air, the only beam of light against night's unforgiving, sweeping curtain of darkness. I am suddenly aware of my footing as my ankle locks around a protruding tree root beneath me. My foot remains stuck as I fall, hands clawing at my shin in a desperate attempt to free myself. Unsuccessful, my face burrows into the ground beneath me with sudden force. I hear a crack behind me that I pray belongs to the root. Scrambling to all fours, I adjust my vision. Mud fills in under my fingernails as I push my body upright. A breeze rushes past my ears, cool enough to make the skin on my arms stand upright and loose pieces of hair escape from my braid. With each second spent in this stagnant solitude, a strange sense of dread overtakes me as I feel the blood drain from my face and watch my knees quiver with fear. I whip around and it's apparent. Twelve eyes stare back into mine from the heavy darkness. They glow with the kind of yellow that illuminates street lamps in the dead of night, the kind of yellow that embodies caution, a warning call. I'm once again struck with the instinct to flee, but my fear grounds me instead. As if the roots themselves had come alive and twist around my legs, rendering me defenseless and immobile. The eyes move closer. As they emerge from the darkness and into the sliver of moonlight where I stand, I am reminded that the eyes, too, belong to beings of darkness, with snarling mouths and ragged fur. I am paralyzed with panic. My eyes search the forest floor for a tree branch, a sharp rock, any, anything to ward off these rabid, nightmarish dogs. Suddenly, and almost inexplicably, my vision flashes with white. My arms move sharply upwards to shield my face, hearing the beasts behind me howling in pain, retreating back to their sanctuary in the darkness. I am left blinded, confused, and shuddering with cold when a shadow darkens the corners of my face. I dare myself to lower my hands and glance into the looming being before me. I expected something of a demon, half human, half beast, bloodied and torn, to materialize. Yet what shines back into my eyes is something of a shock. I am staring at myself. Amir stands in the clearing, visibly illuminated by the narrow strip of moonlight. It's large, towering several feet over my head. Golden, intricate carvings decorate the edges. The mirror itself seems to glisten in the light of the moon. I bask in this refuge, this tangible, bright comfort from the dangers of the night. I blink my eyes and peer into my reflection. A long, jagged scar divides my face in two. I am reminded of the fall, the feeling of my face pressed against the rough soil. It runs from the corner of my eye to the opposite cheek, a thick red line that leaves my complexion misshapen and worn. My precise movements are reflected in the mirror, picking at dirt crusting along the hem of my dress, pulling my hair away from my face. As I run my finger across the scar, I lean closer towards the mirror. Something about it seems to change, the cut deepening and spreading in my reflection. My heart drops into my chest as a beetle crawls out from the scar's cavity, scurrying along my eyebrow and nestling in my hair. I scream, watching hundreds of beetles emerge from the scar in my reflection. My shrieks increase in volume until I'm wailing, hands clawing at my face. Make it stop, make it stop, make it... I freeze. My hands leave my face. Feeling around my cheek, I discover that the scar is not spreading, nor are bugs resting in my hair. In disbelief, I reach out towards the mirror for a second glance, yet I'm struck by the same sense of dread. The eyes in the mirror reflect back to me, unblinking yellow orbs. Before I can cry out, her hand grabs tightly onto my forearm, pulling me forward and into the depths of the mirror. I wake abruptly, gasping for air. Finding myself seated atop my bed, hands positioned behind me, I breathe deep, shuddering breaths. My mind spins as I steady it, smoothing the lines of my comforter. None of it was real. My eyes don't meet the mirror, fearing that some semblance of my nightmare may appear before me in one sudden, painful twist. Instead, I laugh. My life is not a ghost story. I am not the victim.
As my vision adjusts to the dark hallway, my hand lingers momentarily on the doorframe. I sigh and shake my head, feet leading me towards the stairwell. I can only imagine the look on my face if I can see what materialized in the wake of my absence. My yellow-eyed reflection exiting my bedroom mirror, bloodied and scarred, wandering into the hallway after me. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of From Dawn to Dawn podcast. Show notes are posted below for this episode. Be sure to check out LCID online for more news, updates, and all things red and gold. Always remember, once a dawn, always, always a, a dawn. dawn.